Welcome to the Millennia Pastor Podcast, where we talk about the intersection between faith and culture. Um, I'm Byron. If you've noticed, I am not Josiah. For the first time ever, we're going to try this without Josiah. So who do I have with me today to help me out? I am your co-host, Ryan. Thanks for being here, Ryan. I appreciate it. I'm a little nervous. Um, yep. It's a little different having to actually do work when yep. normally I don't do anything. Yes, yes. You're the talent. <laughs> well, that means I'm the talent this time, right? Yeah, exactly. Although you did a lot of the work anyway, because later on when we get to the actual podcast, it's your friend who uh, that is going to be on the show. So that's one of the reasons why you're here to help us out, because you actually know uh, the Jason is his name, but um, it's not because so, yeah. you love me so, more than everybody else. I mean, I do love you, <laughs> but no, I mean, yeah, I mean, yes and no. <laughs> okay, it's a it's a both and. Okay. Um, yeah. So yeah, so uh, this is a, uh, another episode of our long form of the podcast. So like last season, we have we've been having uh, millennial pastors on the show, but this year we mixed it up, and so we have a category we're calling nuns and duns, um, and then we have. After that, we have a seasoned saint, someone who's older, who's a part of the church and wants to see it kind of grow and keep going. And then we have a, a millennial pastor to come on to kind of react to both of those podcasts. So this week, we'll be doing a none and done. So it's pretty exciting. I'm glad we found another one because we've been having some trouble with that. They exist. <laughs> and not only do they exist, but it's very important for us in the church to understand hey, we need to understand what we're doing wrong and how we're not how we're missing people, how we're not reaching them, or how we're actively pushing them away. Yeah. So that's one of the reasons why we're doing this. So we're going to take a quick break for a sponsor, and then we're going to jump right into it. So this week on the podcast, we have Jason. Jason, are you with us? I am here. Thank you. All right. Thanks for being here, man. It means a lot. We really appreciate it. Um, if you could start out by giving us your, your name, your age, and your location. Okay, so uh, my name is Jason, and I live in Georgia, um, and I am 36 years old. All right. Uh, I do have a quick question. Are you from Georgia, or you just reside there? I am from Georgia. I've, uh, I've lived on the Georgia-Tennessee line for most of my entire life. Awesome. Okay, so I did mention earlier that you were here because you know Ryan, so I'm going to ask you, how did you and Ryan meet? Uh, actually, I met Ryan uh, in the military. Uh, we were deployed to Kuwait together. Okay. And we did talk about a little bit of that, uh, Ryan, when, when you were on the podcast in the first season. Yeah. We talked about your time in the military. Now, I don't know, I, don't, I haven't personally met you, Jason, but we've been texting back and forth since about last week. And Ryan, the first thing Ryan told me about you is like, you like to post gross food on Facebook or just like on social media. Um, so <laughs> Absolutely. what's the deal with that? Like, where would that come from? And so, has there ever been anything you wouldn't post? Is there anything too gross for you to post? Oh yeah, there's there's been some weird ones. Um, but no, I, I actually saw um, th- there's people that do photoshops of food packaging, and they make you know just the the most absurd, ridiculous combinations or changes to the food <laughs> that you can imagine. And anytime I see one of those, I just love sharing that because my friends always jump right on it and tell me how nasty that is. Uh, it's fantastic. <laughs> I, I love it. So it's one of the, the, the good ways that social media brings us together and sharing weird things, memes <laughs> and just weird food and all that. Right, right. <laughs> so I do know you listen to at least one of our episodes. Um, and so we do play this dumb game where we talk about millennials and, and uh, just stereotypes and things. So if you're willing, we'd like to play our, our game of how millennial are you? Are you, up, are you up for that? I am up for it. Let's go. All right. 
So, Ryan, why don't you go ahead and start us off, then? All right. Uh, what do you spend weekly on coffee and avocados? I'm going to go with zero on both of those. Those are those are not my food groups. My man. I love it. <laughs> I am so anti those things. It's great. You and Byron are, are, are arm in arm in that one. <laughs> so, so far, you're starting out with not very millennial. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, do you have any participation trophies? And if so... How many, and what did you do to get them? I don't think that I have any trophies now that I'm thinking about it. That's I, should do you guys get trophies? I mean, that, that's one of the stereotypes. You know, we all have all these participation <laughs> trophies, and we're so you know, full of ourselves and want everything. Right. Yeah. No, Although, I want a participation trophy. <laughs> that being said, I cleaned out my parents' garage in last December, and I did find a couple participation trophies that my brothers and I had. And they're amazing and terrible. And also, we're probably going to use them for, like, people who lose our fantasy football league or something. Fantastic. <laughs> so, <laughs> I remember. Right, getting, so far, we're 0-2, so. I remember getting crazy. Yeah, but I don't know what happened to them. They're probably in a box my parents gave me at some point that I haven't. Yeah. But we still move and carry it from house to house. You guys have those boxes? <laughs> <laughs> I've gotten rid of most of that stuff, to be honest with you, after all my moves across the country. Yeah. I don't have time for it. <laughs> All right. So he doesn't have any participation trophies. He doesn't like coffee or avocados. Man, this is uh, this isn't looking too good. All right, uh, Jason, uh, when are you going to move out of your parents' basement and get a real job? Ooh, this one, uh, this one's good. I I don't live in my parents' basement, and I feel like I have a pretty good job. So. <laughs> You're, All right, you're in the south, so like their basements exist there. So on the west coast, not really a thing. So <laughs> you guys don't have basements either. No, it's not. Not really. really. No, no participation trophies and no basements. We're we're striking out. <laughs> All right, I think we might get you on this one. Um, how many times have you had to look up either Google or on YouTube? Look up how to adult something. Oh, that like is anything. constant. Constant. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, okay. Oh man. Yeah, anything <laughs> anything mechanic related. If my car needs anything done, Google and YouTube. Mm. Here I come. Absolutely, it's super helpful. All right, so we got one. That's good. We're we're. Getting what was there. the last thing you? Uh, what was the last thing you had to look up on how to adult? Ooh, yeah, uh, I actually had to figure out how to replace the starter in my car, and I did that one hundred percent from YouTube with no background in it whatsoever. It was great. Better person than me, I would have so paid somebody to do that. <laughs> <laughs> That's impressive, actually. <laughs> All right, one or, more for you. Or just cheap. That's, that's the other option. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't going to say it. That, that's why I did it. <laughs> maybe, maybe thrifty is a better title for that. There you sure, go. yeah. That sounds better. <laughs> All right, next question. How much more money do you spend on video games than on saving for retirement? Oh, goodness. Um, probably a lot. I, I do love video games. <laughs> I kind of, I, I kind of, that was kind of a plant. I, I, I knew that you liked video games, so. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, <laughs> and I, this, this is a, a shameless plug for, for nothing. Um, the school system that I work for, we actually just started an esports program. So I actually am making money by setting up video games for people to play. How's that for a twist? Man. Ooh. Ooh. Well, there you go. Maybe it'll help pay the bills. <laughs> Man, are, you I hope. are you, are you an esports coach? Um, not so much a coach as uh, just a technology support. Uh, we I actually built the computers that they're going to play on. Wow, oh, nice! What games are they playing? Uh, the three that Georgia has approved are Rocket League, 
League of Legends, and Smite. So we've got a team right now for Rocket League, and they are doing really well. I didn't know huh. that League was an uh, eSport. I knew it before. Yep. It is in Georgia. I don't know if it is everywhere, but there's uh, there's apparently a huge following for it, and uh, you know there's some really good teams out there playing. What's Smite? Uh, Smite is a MOBA-style game, but it's third-person instead of top-down. All right, I, that that didn't really mean anything to you. <laughs> isn't if I'm if I'm correct, isn't Smite about like different types of gods and demigods going around fighting? Yes, it is. It actually takes a lot of uh, different mythologies from uh, from different parts of the world and kind of shoves them all together in one. Oh, Maybe I'm just overthinking you, but that's kind of an interesting pick for the state of Georgia based on a lot of their. It really is. Ideas. I was surprised that they had any games with any kind of violence whatsoever in them. I, I kind of thought that they would pick, you know, the most nonviolent thing on earth. Like Rocket League makes sense, but yeah, I was surprised yeah. to hear about the other two. You said Rocket League, and I was like, that makes perfect sense. And then another two, I was right. like, wow, that's actually violent games. Interesting. Yeah, okay. I, I was I was actually surprised myself. Huh. That's cool. Right. <laughs> yeah, that is. It's really interesting that that's becoming a high school thing now too. Not just, uh, you know, esports is a fascinating thing to me, but. The fact that it's going to high schools now is kind of interesting. Sure. Huh. Okay, so the next part of our game is a little different. Um, we decided what we're going to do is we want to know how well you know millennials, or at least how we're portrayed in media. So <laughs> I have three headlines, two of which are completely fabricated by our one of our uh, – well, he's on the podcast pretty regularly, but he's also – we call him our executive producer. Uh, and go- the other one is actually a real headline. Okay. All right, I'm so, ready. I will read them all to you, and then I want you to pick which one is the real one and why you think it is. The real, the real headline is the goal. Okay, all right, yes. I'm good. I'm ready. All right. So, okay, so your first headline is, Impossible to Please, Millennials Not Buying Plant-Based Burger Due to Burger King Brand. Uh, number two is Binge Streamers, Average Millennial Pays for Three Streaming Services, or... To retire at 65, millennials will need to save nearly half their paycheck. Oh, wow. Um, I'm going to go with the second one about having multiple streaming services. I feel like that one's probably true. Okay. And so is there any particular reason why you think that? I think that just because there's... There's the stereotype that uh, that we binge watch everything constantly. I, I feel like that's a, a good stereotype to play on. Okay. Well, <laughs> you are incorrect. <sighs> uh, okay. And the reason why I would say that, I mean, that's a fake one, but the fact that uh, one of the reasons why I would say that would be fake is because it says millennials pay for three streaming services. <laughs> oh, we I got you. We're all just sharing passwords. I got you. Yeah, we're all just sharing passwords. My, my bad. wife and I, we have three streaming services, but uh, only one of them is what I pay for. The rest, my parents pay for, my brother pays for one of them, and yeah. Oh, so, no, it, it's actually the... Dude. Oh, sorry, what? I said you're such a mooch, Byron. I know. <laughs> it's like I live in my parents' basement still, but they don't even have one. Um, <laughs> Their digital basement. <laughs> Exactly. That's no, a new, unfortunately, Unfortunately, the real headline is to retire at 65, millennials will need to save nearly half their paycheck. That's so fantastic. That's, that's, that's true. Okay, <laughs> nice. That's the one I wasn't wanting to be true. <laughs> so 
so yeah, that's that's super depressing. But apparently, that is a that is a real article that I was sent a link to today. Actually, oh, man. So yeah, it's disturbing, but apparently what? there's some truth to it. All right, uh, we're gonna, gonna, go gonna to, cut back on my avocados. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna move on to the second portion uh, since you are are none slash done, and we're gonna play. Uh, how much of a sinner are you? All right, here's the first question. Why are you such a horrible person since you obviously have no moral compass? Hard to say. I mean, there's just <laughs> there's just so much. <laughs> I like how he just owns it instead of just... I'm just yeah, yeah I'm, I'm just going to go with that one. That... <laughs> yeah, we don't have enough time to list it all, is that what you're saying? Right, yeah, just, just so much. <laughs> so much. <laughs> all right, well, let's see if we can get an answer for this one then. Um, so you live in the South. Uh, do you have to wear a scarlet letter for your heathen ways when you walk around and go to work? Almost. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you know, there, there's a lot of people that, uh, you know, put the uh, put stickers and stuff on their car for, you know, any kind of different, you know, religious views. Uh, I think that around here, that's that's probably actually dangerous to your health. It could be. <laughs> oh, yeah. If you if you don't have, uh, you know, a certain brand of, of sticker, it could be dangerous. <laughs> Oh, man. That's fun. <laughs> uh, all right. Um, number three. Uh, since you're, you're obviously a liberal and a socialist, why do you hate freedom? <laughs> Freedom's just so expensive. That's why. <laughs> you know what I didn't think about before we asked this question? Is the fact that you guys met serving in the military. Together. I know. Which is, right, that right. makes this the question why, so much better. It was hilarious when I wrote it. <laughs> <laughs> it's so <Love> good. <laughs> All right. Oh, and then here's your last question about how much of a sinner are you? Um, why do you hate Christmas so much and feel the need to insult people by wishing them quote happy holidays? Well, that one is. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't mind wishing people Merry Christmas. I, I still have that one. That one may just be muscle memory. <laughs> <laughs> It's not because of all the the Christians beating down your beating at, you know running at you chasing you with uh, pitchforks and stuff saying it's Christmas Merry Christmas. If, if there's a a Black Friday sale on torches and pitchforks, they they might, but um, <laughs> I'm still going to tell them Merry Christmas. So. All right, I like that Black Friday sale. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's a little tie from Christianity into consumerism. It's it it's it fits, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> all right well ryan what do you think um i mean he's in the right age range to be a millennial what do you think based on our our questions and... i he's he might he doesn't fit very many stereotypes and he obviously doesn't know the the headlines so i don't know it's it's kind of a kind of a toss-up to me yeah i mean i guess we'll just have to go you know we always talk on this podcast about how stereotypes are dumb and we don't you know Labels are, are kind of dumb. We label things, but we shouldn't be labeling people. Um, so this is one of the ways we kind of poke fun at that and just decide, hey, this is stupid. Why are we doing this? But thanks for being a good sport and playing along with us. We always have a good time with it. Sure, yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> so all right. Well, um, so the reason you're here, um, being someone who – so you did share with us early uh, – well, with Ryan and I anyway. We can get into this, but you used to be a part of the church. Um, and then you haven't been for quite some time now. Uh, so we want to talk about some of that, but the, the way we start this conversation and we've asked everybody who's been on the podcast is if you would, in your own words, can you tell us what the church is? 
Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, growing up uh, in the South, uh, you know, my family were uh, Baptists and uh, that's predominant around where I'm at right now. So the, the church always to me growing up seemed like, you know, this is the, the community where everybody got together and, uh, you know, was, was extended family. That's to me growing up, that was the, the church was just extended family. I, I didn't, you know, grasp until later on what the, you know, religious connotations were of going, but, um, it really was just, you know, an extended family event. Sundays turned into Sunday dinners, you know, leave church, go to, to lunch with the family kind of a thing. And that's, that's really what it was to me for the longest time. Um, and I think it, at its root, that's, that's probably what a lot of people still see it as and what it probably would, would best be represented as, uh, is just an extended family. Like maybe you're not related to these people, but you know, you, you care about their well being. You want to see them and have, you know, community with them. <clears throat> but, okay. uh, that's, that's kind of what it was for me when I was a part of the church. Okay. Well, let me ask you a question that's a little bit different. Mm-hmm. What do you think the church should be then? Um, you know, kind of just building on that. I, I really do think that, uh, a community is is probably a good goal. I mean, I uh, from my standpoint, my position, I, I don't really feel like it's it's a good place for me to say, you know, this is what I think that the church should be, given my my current set of beliefs. But you know, in in a positive light, if it wanted to be, uh, you know, to grow and to have a positive influence, I think that that community and that family feel should be there, and you know, be a, a welcoming, uh, positive force for the people that are involved. Okay. So then, um, because you are representing the nuns and duns, I mean, obviously you're not the only voice out there, but we appreciate sure. you being here. Um, we do want to know though, um, growing up in the church, you, you said there was a sense of community, but why did you end up leaving? Well, the, you know, long story, uh, turned into to something that we can actually discuss, uh, on, on the show. I had never really felt any kind of, you know, supernatural, uh, I guess is the, the word that I would use for it. Like there was, there was nothing external. There was no force or, you know, feeling that came to me from, from outside of just that family, that, that community. And so I always had sort of questions and, uh, interactions with people that weren't looked on favorably. You know, we would be discussing certain things in, uh, in youth groups that, um, for as an example, you know, I, I'm kind of a nerdy guy. So, uh, when I was a child, Dungeons and Dragons was kind of a cool thing. Um, you know, some of my friends played, got together, hung out, played together, all that sort of stuff. The people in the church went over and had an entire section on how Dungeons and Dragons was bad and evil. And, you know, it, it led from, from that to, I had something to say about it. And of course they, <laughs> they viewed my, my response on that negatively and, and decided they needed to you know, kind of talk that out of me and, and convince me that that was something negative uh, that was in my life. Uh, and it built from that, you know, music, pop culture. Uh, there were a really tight-knit conservative group that I was hanging out in. Um, and it, it just didn't feel right, you know? I mean, it, it, didn't, it didn't sit well with me as I got older. And the things that I enjoyed weren't things that were acceptable. They weren't things that were, uh, you know, considered accepted by the group of people that was this extended family for me. Uh, And that, you know, that led to questioning. I I had lots of questions. The questions weren't, 
weren't viewed well just the fact that they were questions. And then the answers that I got to them didn't sit well with me either. So eventually I, I kind of just lost that faith and lost that uh, that connection to the, the church and to the family that was going. Okay. And uh, how old were you roughly when all this kind of at least started to happen or when you started having these issues and questions? Uh, probably 14, 15-ish was, okay. was when I actually started, you know, wondering why are these things the way that they are and why am, why am I being you know, singled out for the things that I enjoy and, you know, didn't see any harm in the things that I was kind of being chastised for. And did you attend the church until you graduated or did you actually pull away in high school? No, I I would have pulled away in high school. I I don't think that I went uh, much after maybe I was 13. I think that I got baptized when I was 13 and then it was sometime after that that I had stopped going. Okay. Was that an issue with your parents by chance? I mean, I grew up, I mean, I grew up in a Christian home too. And like, I had questions and stuff that my parents weren't necessarily thrilled with, but right. Like if I would have just said, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't think I would have had the option. Right. They would have made me go to church at least on Sundays, maybe not like on youth group nights or whatever, but right. How did, how did they react to you? Well, the, my parents were not ever super regular with church at, at that time period in my life. So when I was going, it would have been with my grandparents, like my grandmother mm-hmm. and, uh, and grandfather would have been the ones that took me to church. And, okay. you know, so they were, they were obviously a, a, a generation ahead of my parents as far as age and everything like that. So they, they had a little more strict views on things too. So mm-hmm. I gotcha. think that kind of factored into it. Makes sense. Less gray area. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, Kind of going off that, I mean, you, we kind of already started the discussion, but um, uh, we, as we kind of covered uh, at the top, uh, you and I knew each other when we were in the military, and it's been like 15 years since we've actually spoken. It really has been that long, hasn't it? Yeah, um, other than on the <laughs> internet. Uh, but part of the reason I wanted to get you on here is that you seem to post on Facebook a lot about being a nun and how that group is growing. And you're one of the few people on social media that I've encountered that can have a civil discussion with people you disagree with, which I really respect and very hard to find. Um, And we kind of already talked about um, kind of your your faith journey or or I guess your journey away from faith. Um, What, what, how much of a role did, would you say the church actually played in that? Did it, was it, was it kind of the, the thing that was it the, the, the pushback you got against, you know, asking questions or was it uh, more of the just the kind of the, the rules or, or can you just walk us through that kind of that that um, that church sure. for you? Yeah. So I, I would not necessarily say that the that the church was responsible for a lot of the things that, uh, you know, that that led me away. Um, there were obviously some times where I, I felt uncomfortable being there. I, I, I did feel sometimes that I was a little unwelcome. Um, but they, they didn't by any means drive me away. You know, they didn't say, you know, you're not welcome here. That never happened. Yeah. Uh, not outright, you know, but, uh, I would say that it was really for me when I was able to understand what I was, you know, the, the evolution of my thought process really was when I was in college and I was going through a philosophy course. Um, and those were, you know, the, the things that I was learning in class were perspectives that I was never given as a child or growing up. You know, there was no, 
there was no other viewpoint. I, I never was exposed to anything like that. And so to, to be at that point in my life and to come up and say, okay, well, here's all of these different things that, you know, you can consider and, you know, just understanding of, of building logic, you know, for being able to identify what I believed and why I had never examined that I I had never had a reason to, I mean, you know, like I said, I, I had kind of had doubt and, and wondered, you know, is there, is there something that I'm missing that these other people are saying that they have, but I never had a chance to look at it from a different outside perspective. Like I did once I started going through that course. Yeah. I mean, that's a, such a natural thing in people's lives. Like a point of kind of giving, getting more information and kind of, you know, uh, the thing I always tell people is that, uh, you know, so much of what we believe is kind of a matter of like genetic lottery, right? Um, where we're where we just happen to be born. And as somebody who's born in the South, I mean, I guess it's it's probably a little bit more intense there than even it is on the West Coast where Byron and I are at. And and I have heard that too. You know, a lot of a lot of people kind of make that uh, that assumption, that stereotype about the South. And there there are places where it is true. Uh-huh. Um, but, uh, you know, for me, it really was just a matter of what do I believe and why do I believe it? And, and by what process do I decide, you know, what to accept and what not to accept? And that's, that's really what led me, uh, to stop going back. It, it just went that direction naturally. But I have a quick follow up. Well, maybe quick. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> um, you had mentioned about the church being this like extended family and like these, mm-hmm. this community, but you also said that, that there was, didn't seem to be much more than that. So did you think you ever had like, this is a tough question, but like an actual faith, like, did you really believe in God or was it kind of just like a, this is what I do. These are the people I, I hang out with and we talk about this, but like I, as a youth pastor or when I was a youth pastor anyway, like I've talked to so many teenagers who were just like, man, I grew up coming here. I don't know what any of this is about. I just show up because my friends are here and I, I like some of the people. Right. Like, it's not really real for them yet because they haven't had that, that encounter of, of any kind of real faith. Do you feel like you had some of that or like when you said you got baptized at 13? I mean, I, you... I feel like, um, I feel like I, I would have told you at the time that I did. Um, you know, I, I believed, I, I absolutely believed the things that I was, uh, that I was learning and that I was hearing, but I don't, I don't believe that I understood. I, I definitely don't believe that I had a, a working knowledge of what it would have been that I was agreeing to No. Okay. <clears throat> and I think that, I mean, we've talked about this in the podcast before, but I think that goes to show like we we've had a, a discipleship issue in the church for a long time, mm-hmm. and at least for sure when we were kids and like growing up. And it was kind of like, a, oh, you go here to the children's group or you go to the youth group and like you learn some things, but have play games, have fun, but don't bother the adults. We're doing our own thing. And we kind of, I think, culturally, it kind of lost the idea of what the church could be or should be. Right. And, and actually having that cultural like these are this is our extended family. Like I like the way you described that, but I think we built that in a social aspect, but not in a faith based aspect, if that makes sense. I don't right. know if you, yeah, you know, no, so, I, I understand. That sounds right. So that's kind of what I was hearing in any way, somewhat similar to like, that's kind of what I was hearing when you're talking. So I was just curious. Um, but I think that kind of goes to show how a lot of us were raised in the church. You know, this is 
this is what you believe, but don't ask questions and don't have real doubt. And then when you go to college, still be a Christian somehow without actually having to go over any of that beforehand. Right. Yeah, and, I, I would say that that's a very accurate description of uh, of, of how I would have went through that. <laughs> okay. Sounds yeah. good. That's something else that I think we've, we've definitely talked about a lot, um, just Byron and I in general, not even just on the on the podcast, I think. Um, so something that I, I'm a, you know, I'm, I'm working with youth now and I always tell, I always tell the teens like questions are good. Like if you have doubts, if you have things that you're asking questions about, I want to hear them or, you know, somebody should, you should be talking to somebody about it because I think that kind of that culture that we all grew up in where, you know, like questions are bad or, I mean, even, this isn't the first time the whole D and D thing has come up before. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we talked about it a couple of weeks ago, I feel like. Um, yeah. Just this idea that, like, somehow these things are somehow inherently out to get you or whatever. Well, right. it's funny because things like D&D are evil, but Lord of the Rings and, uh, like, Chronicles of Narnia are good and Christian. But they have a lot right. of the same stuff. Like, there's good magic users, there's bad magic users, there's good monsters, there's bad mo- like. Yeah, it's 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 kind of just nonsensical to me, but it's kind of interesting. Right. And and D&D was really just a, a placeholder. That was a you know, that was a variable that could have changed to be, you know, several different things growing up that, uh, you know, different people, uh, my aunts, my grandparents would have picked mm-hmm. on and said, you know, this X equals, you know, you you're doing something bad and evil and you need to change your life because, you know, this is <laughs> this is a, a straight ticket to hell. You know, you. You you can't continue enjoying this thing, and to me, you know, like you said, there's there's good versus bad. In my in my head, I'm thinking this man wants to rescue a princess, and you, you have a problem with that, and I don't understand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, she the, needs help. Who's going to help her? The culture wars have really torn apart the church in a lot of ways, you know. Mm-hmm. And it could be, it's not just D and D. It's Harry Potter. It's Pokemon. Sure. It's all these things. Uh, anime, just in general, like all this stuff and go, Oh, this is leading you down the wrong path. Music, you know? Yeah. Uh, even just t- whole genres of music, like rap, for instance, my parents weren't really thrilled about rap when I was younger. And I, and I was listening to like Christian rappers and some of them were actually somewhat talented and actually had like a good message. And I'm like, well, listen to the lyrics though. Now that right. So back on the, on the team. Oh yeah. Oh <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I wasn't trying to swing it that way. Uh, <laughs> okay. You know, I had to. Yeah, no, I, I set you up, and I can't <laughs> believe I, I walked right into that. <laughs> All right, next question. Do you consider yourself to be a person of faith? Um, I mean, it sounds like uh, you've, you've stepped away from what you experienced as the Christian faith, but any other faith? Uh, I do not. Um, and I, I don't know if you want a, an expanded answer on that, but I, oh, yeah. I know, know is the short answer. Um, so I would say that to the extent that I'm able to understand what I know about the world, I, I have not been convinced of anything that, uh, that would give me faith at this point. So would you, uh, would you describe yourself as like an atheist or agnostic or anything like that? Any of those kind of titles or is it just kind of, uh, yeah, I believe agnostic is, is probably the most accurate description for me. I mean, I, I obviously would not have any claim to knowing everything about anything, um, but just, you know, from, from my experiences and the things that I'm able to draw my conclusions on, I, I don't have faith in anything particular now. Okay. Do you by chance ever listen to judge John Hodgman? I do not. 
Okay. Um, anyway, <laughs> John Hodgson, he's an actor and people know, but um, he has a podcast where he kind of like just takes random debates from people and like answers them. It's a dumb, it's a dumb, it's a fun podcast. It's a comedy thing. Oh, okay. But, um, he describes himself as agnostic in almost the exact same way you did, saying, I'm not going to say I'm atheist because I can't claim to know everything, but from where I stand, this is what I believe. Right. Okay. So I just thought that was kind of fascinating because, like, it was one of his most recent episodes. He said, they, like, almost the exact same thing. We Interesting. Podcast, Byron. Sorry, what? We should get by John Hodgman on the podcast. Oh, yeah, sure. That'll. I'm sure that'll be a... <laughs> <laughs> he might do it. Who knows? He always talks about. It. He's like, "Yeah, why not? I'll do so." <laughs> so, like, maybe we'll maybe we'll reach out to him. <laughs> Get our hands on it. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay, so I think we've talked a lot about your story. Um, anything else that you thought was like relevant to what we're talking about and why you kind of left that you might have left out before? I mean, we just want to get the whole picture if we can. You know, anything you want to share, feel you know, feel comfortable sharing anyway. Sure. Uh, I mean, there's there's one other thing. I, I had actually kind of taken a couple of notes of uh, of some stuff that you know, if if the opportunity came up to discuss. And one of them was, you know, like I said, the the church for me growing up was really a an extended family type of scenario, and they were, you know, they were all good people. That most of them I would have known as a child. I I don't really remember many of them now. Um, I guess shout out to Brother Randy. I remember Brother Randy. Uh, <laughs> but uh the <laughs> the, the only other thing that I would that I would really say that I felt like was missing that might have you know been a a catch point that I that I felt like I could latch on to would be there there wasn't you know I see now uh the people that are that are my friends that are religious you know the the, the Christians that I that I consider good friends of mine they do you know, some sort of work for their community. They, they help each other out. They actually do act Mm -hmm. in a positive manner for their communities. It's not, it's not a social club. It's not, you know, just a family get together on Sunday to eat some food. They, they do, you know, they do help out. They look for ways to make the, the world a better place. And that wasn't something that I experienced or had any, you know, there were no invitations for me to, to do any of those things. I, I never remember growing up anyone saying, you know, Hey, we're, we're going to volunteer. We're going to do such and such. I have, I have no memory of that happening. And I, I don't know if maybe that kind of helped influence me when I got to a point in my life where I thought we should be doing these things. If these are the, the things that we claim to believe, but we weren't. And, and it was really easy for me to step away from that because all it was, was, you know, like I said, it was, it was just a group of people that got together on the weekend and I didn't feel like that, that added anything to what I was doing. So, I mean, you know, now um, I try to help out when I can with, with things that come up and I wouldn't even necessarily turn down a, a religious based opportunity to volunteer if it was going to help somebody out. But I think that was, that was something I I didn't feel a connection to anything outside of that building for, for being a part of the group, you know? That's such a good point. Um, my church recently, um, we did a survey of our neighborhood and kind of asked them, like, hey, what are some, like, services that we can provide? Thinking we would do, like, a homework club for kids or or stuff like that or just, like, kind of easy things that we could do, like, host at our church building. And, and people who weren't religious or weren't part of our religion um, said over and over again, like, 
I'd always love to find a place to volunteer sure. and, and give back to the community. And it's like, I feel like that's a, a resounding feeling that I think a lot of people have. Um, and yeah, it doesn't mean that you have to be a part of the church to even think that for sure. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, Cause I, I was trying to think about like when I was a kid, like in high school for, for sure. Um, my, well, we had a new youth pastor come in. And we like, you know, we volunteered and worked and, and provided meals to the homeless and through various other organizations. We we built some houses in Mexico for some poor families. You know, we did, we did a, a lot of volunteer stuff like that. But before that, before he came, I can't think of anything most of like my church really did. And we had this like, I've, I've criticized it before on this podcast, but um, we had a big like um christmas program like there's always like a big musical every year Mm -hmm. and like the way people can like they convince themselves that we were changing our community by inviting people to that when (laughs) most of the time it was christian people like just like your neighbors who were also christian they just didn't go to your church that came right um i mean there were some people who came who weren't christian were like huh i'm kind of interested in this but like that was our quote-unquote outreach like we didn't leave our building for anything. Right. <laughs> and I, that's just such a broken version of what the church is. Like we've, we've done this and I've, I mean, I feel, I know I'm a broken record, but the church and our culture and in particular has built up walls around and saying, keep your sin away from us. We're holy. Instead of being like Jesus and going to the people in your community who weren't the religious, you know, and I mean, Jesus, got after the religious elite all the time but if you were a prostitute he would say hey go and sin no more and show them he cared about them like yeah and also like not expecting anything in return like i think that's yeah, exactly a lot of times we um we expect to we expect to you know if we're doing something then obviously you know people are gonna show up on sunday or they're gonna you know they're gonna want to get saved right there and then at the at the whatever the the harvest stuff yeah that's like no like we're doing this just because this is what we're supposed to do yeah and i've heard a lot of people in churches too that have been like older christians and like they lament the loss of things like potlucks or like community like not community events like i guess like like the family aspect you were talking about jason like right we used to be this tight-knit group of people um because we shared meals together and it was a social club more than anything and they get upset about that. But then when you bring up the idea of like, hey, let's feed some people who can't feed themselves. They tend to throw a fit and go, well, that's a lot of work. Or like a church I used to be a part of. Um, and they're still doing, which is awesome. They do a massive Thanksgiving meal on Thanksgiving Day. And they ask their church, hey, we know this is a family oriented holiday. And this is in southern Missouri. So it's like in the Midwest, right on the border of the south, actually, because it's in the boot heel. And they ask people, hey, give up some time with your family. Come here. Help us cook. Help us serve. Help us just reach out to people and talk to them and share a meal with strangers, people who don't have the money you have, people who don't have the family you have, whatever it might be. Give your time and effort. And the first year we did it, we got some pushback, but people were pretty good about it. And now it's just like it's several years later and it's growing like crazy. And like, That's fantastic. They're making an impact in their community 
reaching out to people and saying, hey, we know this is a time where normally we'd be kind of with our own people, but today we want to be with you. That's a church I think is like doing something worthwhile, reaching out to people and not just saying, this is us, stay away from us if you're sinful, you know, we're better than you kind of a thing. So I I am glad that you did talk about how some of your friends who are Christian or religious in, in any way, they well, that's something they do care about is the community and reaching out to people. That gives me some more hope going forward that maybe the church can get its act together and do some good things in the world. So, cause that, I, that scares me just looking at the way I was raised in the church and hearing other stories like yours. Um, you know, we, we got lost in our own comfort and what we needed and wanted. So that's kind of depressing. <laughs> I, I think I would agree with that. And I, you know, just to, to kind of point out again, you know, I, I know there's a lot of, uh, a lot of stereotypes and a lot of controversy when, when you're talking about, you know, religious and, and irreligious and, uh, you know, people who have, have left the church and things like that. And just from my perspective to say this, um, you know, there's, there's some people who hold a lot of animosity towards religion and towards people who still value their religion. But, from where I stand, you know, that, like I said, I, I do have a lot of friends who very close friends who are very religious and they're very active in their church. And I, I do respect them for the things that they're doing. I, I do see them making a positive influence. And I've heard, you know, the stories that they tell me they're, they're doing it with, with faith in mind. You know, there, there's a different, I guess, motivation for them, but it's in reality, they're doing the same things that I would do in, in their position if I was able and that is they're they're trying to do something good for somebody else just for the sake of doing something good. And I, I appreciate that about them a lot. That's that's exciting and gives me a little hope for the future of the church, just because I think even like when we, the, the church would get stuff right occasionally, you know, when we were growing up, it was still kind of a selfish reason too. like he was like, look at what we're doing. We're doing a great thing. And I think I did that, too. As a teenager, I didn't really understand what service really meant and why we were doing this, like why we fed the homeless or why we built houses or whatever. Like, it just kind of was like, a, oh, look at this cool thing I'm doing and I'm a good person. And like, I was just like, that's, I always refer to it as like the Christian punch card system. Well, yeah, like I, I did this thing. That's true. But I mean, at the same time, I think there's a certain amount of maturity. I mean, you're. Yeah, if I mean, I mean, and you grasp that, I that's a little weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I obviously am older now and I understand what service means more. But I mean, yeah, I don't know. I think as a whole, our church, like even some of the older people, they, they didn't they missed out on the reason why we do stuff. It's not because Christ called us to it is so we looked good and can say we're better Christians than other people. It was still very much a selfish act which is very sad um, and clearly is not what Christ had in mind, but yeah. Um, okay. Well, but you shared so far. So I do want to ask you, um, I mean, it's not, since you've been gone from the church so long, but I, I don't know if there was like a lot of harsh reality to it, but what sort of response or treatment did you receive or even currently receive from people who are quote unquote church, you know, like people who are still in the church or was there any animosity um, or just there constant reminder? There is some, you know, you're not there. there is some, I, I do have, um, you know, some family that, 
that is still very, you know, tight knit in their church. Um, I, I don't know how good or bad they're doing with their communities. I'm not that close with some of them. Um, but it's, I look, I'm looking for the right words, I guess. It's, it's not so much an animosity as a disconnect. And, and there's been, okay. there's been relatives that I've had that, you know, since, since I kind of outed myself as non-religious, they've had, uh, some pretty negative things to say to me or, you know, maybe passive aggressive things that they would say that, you know, um, I'm, I'm sure you're familiar with the, the concept that, you know, we're a Christian nation and that that's the, the only way that you can be American and patriotic is to have faith in the Christian religion. Um, and I've had family members that were very adamant that, uh, you know, not being religious, uh, negated non-military service even. Like there's, there's been that conversation. And so I wow. mean, it's, it's pretty deep rooted. They, they, they very much, uh, those individuals, not everybody, uh, I, I guess I need to be clear. Those individuals were, were very output by the fact that I was no longer religious or did not participate in church anymore. But by and large, I would say that most people don't know. They, they probably still assume uh, a lot of my contacts probably still assume that I am religious uh, just because of, you know, like what you said, the, the people that identify as Christian around me, uh, this culture, this society in the South, where I'm at at least, um, they identify the faith with, you know, human decency, I guess. <laughs> and and that's not, it's not hmm. necessarily wrong to make that, that assumption, but um, yeah. They don't know. I, I don't behave in such a way that they think that I am different until I tell them. <laughs> so I kind of yeah. lay low with that a little bit. But would would you describe it as like a, a cultural Christianity kind of idea? Like they just assume like, it's just a part of culture so much that they. Oh sure, yes. Like oh, you don't go to church? That's weird. You know? Yeah, like... yeah. They would they would absolutely if you meet a new person uh, like in my job, um, a lot of them would just start out with, <laughs> "What church do you go to?" <laughs> and, and i've been approached by co-workers too you know do you want to come to our church and i'm like uh, I, I don't thank you for the invite you know but <laughs> yeah it's assumed okay so actually oh sorry no, I, was, I, was, that was all. I was just gonna say it is assumed here that you are religious and that you're christian <laughs> hmm. so i do have a question <laughs> for you we talked about this a little bit on the podcast before um but not with one of our nuns or our duns as you both were church at some point, you were part of the church. Now you're not. Um, do you think, so someone who's like someone who has faith, like Ryan or I, and I mean, we, he's a pastor. I used to be a pastor. Um, I didn't really share my story at all in this episode, but I have in the past. Um, like, do you think people approaching you and saying, Hey, you know, like we have this thing going on at church. I'd really like you to be a part of it. Do you find like some people I know like get offended when people invite them to church or do you think it's weird that we wouldn't invite you to church? It's kind of a side question, but I'm just curious your, your take on it. I guess the, the, the question and the approach for the question would be how I would determine that because I have been, mm. I have been asked to come to church before on terms where it's like, Hey, we're doing something cool. And we thought that you might enjoy being here. Um, you know, not with the assumption that you are of faith, but I think it would be cool if you came that I would not find any offense to whatsoever. And that's, you know, kind of how I would expect people would invite and spread their message. And I've also had other people, um, this was a coworker 
that uh, did ask me, you know, will you come to our church? You, you've not really been acting yourself lately, and I don't know what you need, but you're going to find it here. <laughs> that was kind of the approach okay. that she took with it. And I, I was a little offended by that, and I, I think that I might have said some things to other coworkers about it after the fact that, you know, now I, I kind of have regrets that I said it the way I did. I, I need to work on my phrasing with some things as well. <laughs> okay. So, Cause yeah, I think it's interesting. Like the reaction of some people who are not, you know, either atheists or agnostic or whatever people who are not Christians and like some people get offended, but if we really believe what we believe, it would make sense that we would want you to be a part of it. Sure. However, we do need to be conscious of how we speak to people about our faith too. Well, if I can add, and not put people down. If I can add any you know? perspective to that, I mean, here's, um, you know, traveling in in the circles that I do now, I, I've obviously looked for community in people who are not religious in the South around me, and I have found it. There's there's plenty of people that are you know groups and uh, and communities for that. But one of the things that I have heard among the people that I talk to about that is the people that approach them now after having left religion uh, or left the church and inviting them to come back in, they approach it. And, you know, of course I, I'm, I'm trying not to paint with a broad brush. This is not everybody. Uh, some of the people who have approached them do it in such a sense that they are implying that there is something wrong with you that can, on, that can only be fixed by, and I, I don't mean any offense, by magic we we have something i i that's that's what i I have understood lots of people to feel when that comes up is we believe that you are so broken (laughs) that you need magic healing and and that approach really it can be offensive that that approach can be yeah so i hope i hope i didn't so basically (laughs) no you're good you have a jesus-sized hole in your heart and you don't right is essentially okay uh, like you don't know what you don't know, so come with me. Jesus, right. grown man, that's a big hole in your heart. Oh, that's that's sad. It saddens me that that's how it's taken. But I mean, I've I've known that too for a while because I have throughout my life met people who are Christian, people who aren't. Um, you know, it's just kind of it's just kind of sad. And I do actually appreciate Ryan. I think you were the one who said it on the podcast a couple weeks ago you would rather have a conversation with somebody who is like, like very much opposed and like against religion versus someone who's just kind of like, whatever, it doesn't matter. Um, And so that's why, that's one of the reasons why we appreciate you, Jason, being on here and having this conversation with us, because I mean, the whole point of this podcast is not for us to try to convert you. Or to tell you, hey man, you made a mistake. You got to go but back. And I don't, you like to, you know, <laughs> I don't want you to feel like we're saying you're missing something, or you're not whole. But, um, but at the same time, we do like there are younger people in the church who are concerned with the way we've been. The church has been so wrapped up in culture, and you even talked about like that, uh, the Americana aspect right. of it. Like if you're not Christian, you're not a patriot. Um, and I would argue that, you know, nationalism and patriotism shouldn't be in the church at all anyway. But that's a different conversation, I think. Uh, but, like, you know, we're, we're trying to find solutions to this, the selling out of the church to culture. Right. I guess is a good way to put it. 
And having good outside perspective helps us understand what we've done in the past and how we've kind of messed that up and made it so impossible for us to communicate with people on the outside. Right. Um, so we do really appreciate you being here and doing this yeah, for us. I don't um, follow up. Yeah. Um, have you ever gone like to the people that, you know, you said that you've had people have come and said like, Hey, you know, we're, we're doing something cool. We think you'd like to be here. Have you ever gone to any of those things or? I have not. Okay. I have not. And, and, you know, truthfully, there's, there's been a couple of times when I have been invited and it was, it was the approach really it's the approach that, uh, that would drive me away from accepting that invite. Gotcha. That makes sense. Yeah. And, <laughs> no, I have, I have done things, uh, that were, you know, held in a religious setting that, uh, that were not necessarily a direct invitation to me. Um, but like, you know, with, with kids band events and things like that, you know, occasionally those will, will have, you know, around Christmas time, you'll have Christian uh, holiday music and things like that. And that's, you know, that's a, a huge part of the culture down here. And if my kids are playing in the band, I'm, I'm going to go watch it and support them. And, you know, let's, let's hear it. <laughs> Silent light all, all day. Man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that's, that's awesome. Anything else that you want to maybe that something you may we may have missed or something that we may have, uh, um, any other questions you might have for us or what we're doing? Um, I mean, really just, uh, you know, first thank thank you guys again for, for inviting me to have the conversation with you. But, uh, the only other thing that I would say is, you know, I, I'm really big on the common ground, you know, the, the things that, that we do have in common. Like I, I feel like at least the three of us from the conversation that we've had tonight, we probably agree on a lot more than we disagree on. And, and the real win, the benefit that, uh, that this conversation could have is, you know, where can we go together as a, as a country, as a community without needing to focus on those differences? Like what, what you guys want to see accomplished doesn't negatively impact me. I, I don't believe that it does, you know, as, as a, as a religion, from what I understand of, you know, what your mission statement is to, you know, to help people to do better, to, you know, to spread your message for the people that want to accept that. I, I think that's wonderful. And the, the non-religious community isn't harmed by that. You know, the, the things that you do that we can help with the, the community outreaches, I don't see why there's not more of it. I, I don't understand other than, you know, like you said before, the, the social club aspect of, you know, we're a group and we're going to do these things together and you're another group and you're outside of us and, mm -hmm. and both, both sides do it. So it's, <laughs> yeah, I don't know how to bring us together better, but this, this conversation was, was really great for that. I think. Nice. So I guess um, one thing we did ask Cassidy and we're going to ask you as well. Um, <clears throat> from a perspective that is different than like say Ryan and I, cause we're still a part of the church. What is one thing you think the church desperately needs to fix or at least figure out how to do better? And so like, I mean, it might be what you said, like learning how to invite people or like to be a part of community without expecting things. But like, we've clearly failed a lot of people and we've hurt a lot of people over the years. So what's something that you think from your perspective, we could really do a better job of and like, maybe even how we might be able to get there, I guess, too. I would, uh, I would actually say that what you guys are doing right now is, is a huge step in the right direction. And that is, you know, talking to people and finding out what their perspective is and just saying, you know, we're not, 
we're not the be all end all source of information. You know, how, how have you perceived things? How has your life led you to the point that you're at now? Here's where we are. And here's the, you know, the information that we can offer you, the explanations and the, you know, the teachings that, that we believe in that we think might help you and, and assist you in your journey forward from here. I mean, I think that's, that's yeah, something so, that gets missed a lot, I believe. So being open to other perspectives, I mean, and how, you know, we're not perfect. Well, I like it. I would agree. I mean, and I, and I understand too, you know, you're, you're looking at, uh, at a source material. You have a source material that, that a non-religious person doesn't necessarily have as a guide. You know, we've got to kind of draw ours from, you know, experience and, you know, other, other sources out in the world, but you, you actually have a, a source material for guidance and that's that's hard to from my perspective it's hard for the church to say you know let's let's open our ears to other things because you know there's the risk of alienating people just because you could come up with an interpretation that's different from that source material and then i understand there's a problem with that that's that's not where i'm going with this at all (laughs) um but yeah i mean just just being able to say you know everybody has made mistakes and nobody's perfect, even the people inside our group. And we're willing to accept people from outside the group with different perspectives. Um, you know, a, a big thing right now is so many people, especially here in the South, um, are alienated because of, you know, the views on homosexuality and things like that. And that, that community is almost instantly alienated. Anytime the church has a conversation about it, there's, yeah, there's just so much of it. And I, I've seen stories. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know these people personally, but in, in our community close to where I live, there have been people that uh, were active in their churches and they just felt like their that extended family that they were a part of just absolutely turned against them. And so they, they left. I don't know what their perspective is as far as faith, if they, if they maintain their faith outside the church, but I know that they've left and that uh, that's common everywhere, I think. Yeah, it's it is hard to hear those stories about how, you know, our views on something is as, you know, totally alienated people from their not just an extended family like you're like a community of the church that you're talking about but their actual families at right. times and yeah. how you've seen like families just say you're you're not a part of us anymore cuz you're so, you know, you're a sinner and you're just wrong or whatever it might right. be. That is heartbreaking. It really is. To hear that kind of stuff. Because then the other thing is like, okay, so if you, even if you don't agree with someone's lifestyle, now you've pushed them out and said, go figure it out yourself away from us. Right. There's, there's no grace. There's no, there's nothing redeemable about that approach. I don't think it's not what it, what it means to be in community either. Exactly. So, yeah. um, Well, I just want to say thanks again for coming and you're at home. Uh, (laughs) Thanks for being here. Thanks for being willing to share with us. It was really important. It's important for us to hear your, hear those perspectives and to find ways to reach people and to love people in our communities just because we're, we're told to love them, not because we're getting something from it. Um, and it was nice talking to you. I've enjoyed texting with you back and forth this last week or so and getting to know you a little bit. Um, so, yeah, I, I just really appreciate you being here, man. We We appreciate it a lot as a a group who put, you know, produces and puts this little podcast together. Um, it means a lot. And thanks again for Ryan, uh, to, to reaching out to you and also for helping me co-host this thing. And 
Um, but yeah, any any final thoughts or anything you want to share, Jason or Ryan, both of you? Um, any last word you think we just need to kind of have to to sound off at the end of this? No, I think I think um, it's good. Yeah, I really appreciate anybody who's willing to have a conversation. Um, it's not always easy, and I think um, grace is important no matter what. Um, obviously. Um, you are on the millennial pastor podcast. We come from a different with a perspective <laughs> than you have, but I, I really do appreciate you being willing to, cause there, there is something to be vulnerable to come on here and, and to tell us what you really think. And um, I appreciate that. And, and I think it only helps all of us grow really. I mean, it's not just a matter of like, you know, how can we convince people to come back to the church or it's no, it's like, how can we learn from other people and how can we, learn what not to do, which I think is a valuable thing to learn. I agree. And, and thank you guys so much for, uh, for taking the time to talk to me. I really appreciate it. Awesome. All right. Well, I guess we'll, we'll call it for tonight, but uh, if you want to hear more about what millennials think or how they, uh, or you like hearing about the faith-based work that they're doing in culture and community, And please join us next time on the Millennial Pastor Podcast. Thank you again.